You're listening to the Trailblazers Podcast, episode 94, with Sherry Riley. You're listening to the Trailblazers Podcast, where we will explore the stories of successful Black professionals. Join us as we highlight the knowledge, resources, and tools of these accomplished trailblazers to help provide the know-how, confidence, and motivation you need to blaze your trail. And now, here's your host, Stephen Hart. What's up, Blazing Nation? I'm so happy you decided to check out today's conversation. Our featured guest today is Sherry Riley. Sherry's a wife, a mother, a daughter, and an entrepreneur. And she's this trendsetter in the entertainment industry. She spent 20-something years now creating marketing strategies for some of the world's biggest celebrities and corporations. Some of the clients that she served, people like Usher, TLC, Tony Braxton, and companies like Converse and the NBA and TNT. And in addition to all that, she's an empowerment speaker, life strategist, and an author. And she helps all around busy individuals like you and I to make choices that lead us towards less stress, better clarity, and a more fulfilling life. And she shares her message around the world of peace being the new success She has a book that's titled Exponential Living, Stop Spending 100% of Your Time on 10% of Who You Are. And this is a guide to help high achievers integrate their personal desires into their life without detriment to their professional achievement. In today's conversation, Sherry and I talked about what she had to give up to go up. We also talked about some of her biggest challenges growing a business and being an entrepreneur. And we talked a little bit about her book and what peace meant to her and why we all need to have peace in our own lives. Blazer Nation, I'm excited. I'm really excited to share today's conversation with Sherry. And my one request to you before we dive in is that you would share this episode with your friends and colleagues and get this out, help me get this out in front of as many folks as possible, entrepreneurs, leaders, managers, creatives. Whether this is your first episode, you know, first time listening to the Trailblazers podcast, I'd love to say welcome to you. And if you've not been here in a while, welcome back. I think this is a great time for you to get your binge on and listen to Sherry, but also go through the last three or four episodes. There's some really powerful content going back through the last few episodes, last few weeks. Go ahead and check them out in your favorite podcast app, but also feel free to hop on over to our website. You can find that at tbpod.com and there you can see our full episode library and get some other resources as well. So that said, let's go ahead and get set to receive today's Mission Fuel from our featured guest, Sherry Riley. Enjoy. Sherry, welcome and thank you so much for being our featured guest today. Hello, I'm excited. I've been looking forward to this conversation for a few months now. So I am so happy to be a part of this podcast tonight. Awesome. Awesome. So here on trailblazers.fm, we love to begin all our conversations with a focus on gratitude, right? And so I'd love to ask, what unexpected blessing in your life are you most grateful for? I would say as far as unexpected is the depth of the love that I have for my daughter. Like, Mm -hmm. oh my God, when I, you know, you know, when you have children, you know, that there's going to be a love there and you hear the whole reality around a parent's love, but the depth of it was so beyond what I ever imagined. And I mean, it was instant. Like the moment she was born, I was the biggest cliche 
of my life forever changed, right? The moment, you I mean, it was instant. And so just the depth of our relationship and watching her grow, she's 10. So watching her go through each of the phases and stages of growth, that has been the most unexpected blessing that I'm so grateful for because as much as I thought I knew what it meant to love a child, it's beyond even that. So that would be that most unexpected. I can appreciate that. My first is a girl as well. I have a daughter, a seven-year-old daughter and a three-year-old son. And man, I can't agree with you more. (laughs) So true. And everyone knows I'm a proud papa, so. (laughs) Yes, everyone knows I am a doting Proud mommy. (laughs) Love it. Love it. Love it. So let me take you back for a little bit. What was the big goal for you growing up? The big goal for me growing up, my A plan was to be a wife and mother. My B plan was to be a successful career person who was a multimillionaire. Like I've known that since I was young and, and to do that all in the entertainment industry. And so that drove me from a very young age. I mean, even before I really understood what all of that meant. So I was always very clear. And my father always said to me, you know, show up in excellence. Mm -hmm. You know, if you say you're going to do it, do it. And, but he would always say, you know, don't get so caught up in, you know, this whole idea of not setting goals, but just setting the goal and having no flexibility around it. And I would always say to my dad, you know, it's okay to shoot for the moon because even if you miss, you land amongst the stars. And so that always gave him this peace of mind that, okay, she's not going to lose sight of who she is on this journey. But yeah, that was from a very young age. I wanted my A plan, wife, mother, B plan, career, and to be extremely financially successful in that. But what was interesting is along my journey, I realized at a probably around my mid thirties or well, early thirties that my A plan, my B plan had become, had kind of overtaken my A plan. And I knew I had to make some adjustments in my life in order to get back on track. So, of course, we make plans on God laughs, right? So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, Sherry, I've heard you share this powerful statement that we should all stop spending 100% of our time on 10% of who we are. As we curious to know, is there 90% of Sherry that the world doesn't know? And if so, can you tell us more about her? <laughs> You know what? I've been so committed to that. I said that for the very first time. Stop spending 100% of your time on 10% of who you are uh, almost 20 years ago. Wow. Yes. And when I said it, I was so committed to the how. I knew lightning had struck in a bottle. Like I knew I'd captured it in a bottle. I knew this was life changing when I said it. But I was like, what's the answer to that? Like, how do you stop spending? 100% of your time on 10% of who you are. And so I've been on this journey for the last almost 20 years answering that, which is what I truly believe I've done in my book, Exponential Living. But because I've been on this journey, I truly am every day living as close to that 100%. I'm very authentic in that. I've been pruned. I've gone through the process of, you know, being able to do that. But my thing was, if I truly was going to stand before people and say, stop spending 100% of your time on 10% of who you are, 
I needed to be able to answer that for myself. Walk, walk. Yes. So you're getting 100% of me. That, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Love it. Love it. So what's driving you with what you're doing today? What drives me is to influence influencers. Like I want to influence the people who have influence. Right. So that we can truly change the paradigm of this world. And what that means is I truly believe that the world desires peace. They desire that inner peace. But we're pursuing everything but peace. We're pursuing the money, the career, the love, the spouses, the fame, the access, the titles. We're pursuing all these things because we believe that those things will give us peace. And what we're finding is none of them give us peace. Money will never buy us peace. Money and access will never buy us clarity. And so what drives me is truly to allow the world to know how, how can we truly live in a place of peace and clarity and power? And I've experienced it. I've helped others experience it. And there's so much power in it that it's like this amazing experience that I feel like I cannot share it with the world. I have to get it out to the world because it has been so life-changing for me. So we're going to come back to that in a second. I'm interested to kind of hear the transition for how you you kind of found your calling to become an entrepreneur. Well, I always knew that I wanted to be, I didn't know what it was called again, but from high school, I knew I wanted to own my own business and college I got a bachelor's of science in business administration. And so, yeah, there we go. Yes. And so my electives were, you know, small business administration courses, how to run up, like all my electives were something around entrepreneurship. So I always knew that that was a path that I wanted to take. Now I can't tell you why, you know, other than God's purpose for our lives, but I always had that drive. I always had that in my mind. Was there someone um, in your sphere of influence who you aspired to kind of move towards that entrepreneur? Like, was there an entrepreneur in your family? No. Oh, my God. That's what's so amazing about really? it is wow. I had no mentors. I had no visual. You know, I'm from a very small town in Kentucky. And the messaging was the opposite. You know, I grew up. In a small town in Kentucky, my grandparents on my dad's side, my grandmother had a sixth grade education. My grandfather had a fifth grade education. They both had nine, you know, 14 and 16 siblings. So they had to stop working, take care of the family, but they were always now, I know, entrepreneurial, but that's not what it was called. That's not what I recognized it as as a child. I just knew my grandparents took care of business. And then they had eight kids and those eight kids went either to the army or graduated from college. And what I heard from my father is you go, you get an education, you get a good job, you get an education, you get a good job. So, and there was no examples. And so my cousins, they went to college, they got an education, they got a good job. So I didn't have, you know, being from a small town in Kentucky, you know, there wasn't African-American or minority business owners per se. So it really, other than God, I can't tell you where it came from. And to be very honest with you, growing up, I was kind of the black sheep on my mom's side. I was the anomaly. 
and the things that I would talk. And it wasn't just my family. It was the town, like my small town in Kentucky. I was an anomaly. The things that came out of my mouth, what I want to do, the things we're talking about now that I was saying at 15, just, you know, people just thought I was going to build hotels on Mars because it it sounded about that realistic. So I didn't. And so that's my peer group became very important to me just and reading and studying and just really asking questions because I didn't have a, a prototype or a mentor to really mimic when I was in high school. And so you did pursue that road, right? And from what I read about you, I mean, you had that solid job, good paying job, doing what you're supposed to do, right? Quote, unquote. But I'm going to use some of your own lingo on you. What did you have to give up? To, to go up, right? Yes. I had to give up a six-figure income. Ah. <laughs> no, I did. Out of college, I wanted to work in the entertainment industry, and I pursued that. So I was my first p- professional job was working for the management company for the late, great Gerald Levert, uh, an R&B producer, superstar, R&B singer, and then LaFace Records was my second corporate job. I worked there three years and then I resigned and started my business Glue, which I had for 17 years. And now the offshoot of Glue is I've added the exponential living piece to that. So I started Glue in 1997 and this is 2017. 20-year anniversary. Yeah, wow. October 16th is the 20-year anniversary, yes. Congratulations. That's awesome. That Thank awesome. you. Wow. I just realized that. I got to figure <laughs> out what we going to do. <laughs> Celebrates. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So I'm sure it wasn't all sunshine and flowers, right? What's been... <laughs> <laughs> yeah right like, uh, yes. <laughs> I mean, you have had more challenges than most people know what Victories. to do with right so yes what's been some of the most probably some of the most challenging experiences you've had growing up in your business and what did you learn about yourself in some parts of that journey well i say this all the time if you really want to give your life to christ start a business <laughs> <laughs> Start a business, yeah. People go, but I don't know how to pray. Start a company. There you go. You want to learn how to pray? Become an entrepreneur. You know, some of my greatest challenges, and and I know you know this, when I look back over them now, have been some of my greatest breakthroughs. But, you know, people learning higher slow, you know, what is the higher slow, fire fast, you know, that's such a major learning curve of, how to hire the right people or how to partner with the right people. And right isn't the definition of right or wrong. Right is the rapport, you know, energy level. Do they have the vision? You know, do they bring the yin to your yang or both of y'all just yinging, right? Mm. Do they have the same integrity? Do they have the same thought process um, or do they think differently? And so, you know, really being able to always have the right mix of people that are part of your team. Financial is always, you know, a challenge because with being an entrepreneur, being an entrepreneur, you know, for 20 years, it ebbs and flows. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Coca-Cola, the reason they go through big layoffs is because they're in one of those seasons where the finances go down. You don't look at it that way because they're a major corporation. But whenever you're a business, 
it's going to ebb and flow financially. And so have you done the right things? Do you have the systems in place for your business to sustain itself during those those seasons? And I, you know, that's something I had to learn through the process. I, I didn't necessarily know that that was a reality of business. And so being able to, you know, 2008, in August of 2008, I had five retainer clients. I lost all five of them in one month and it had nothing to do with me or my service. It had nothing to do. Yeah, it was the recession. And one contract, the VP that was going to sign the contract that we had been in negotiations with, he got let go. So the contract went with him. Another one of my clients, they, because of, they had a big downsize because of the recession, because of the the, you know, what was going on with the economy, the U.S. economy at the time, they couldn't know they had to put a freeze on outside consultants because you really can't boost the morale of your company if you're letting 40 percent of your staff go, but you're hiring and, and paying outside agencies. And so you can't control any, any of that. And so to see, you know, a, a high six figure business take, you know, 90 percent of your business walks away in one month. It was horrendous. (laughs) It was horrendous. And so that was definitely a major moment for the business for me. But looking back on it, it, it was one of those blessings. It taught me how to really be more focused about the business of the business, not just the marketing and all those things, but you know, how much attention am I paying to the business of the business? Wow. I can appreciate that season, girl. I know August 2008 too well, lost 120 something clients and several million dollars in that season. So I can appreciate just dealing with that side of being an entrepreneur. And you learn a lot about yourself. As you said, you really learn how to pray and and trust in Jesus in that season, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yes. So let's talk about your book, Exponential Living. What prompted you to actually write this book? What prompted me was honestly some very good people around me that said you need to write a book. I've always kind of felt like I'd write a book. But to be honest with you, I don't think I would have ever written a book. And I had some people around me that truly believed in me before I even believed in me, before I even really had a message. Mm. And they really supported me and really helped me get the mental framework that I could even write a book. But once I understood that, yes, there is a message here that has to get out to the world. And it came at a point when a really good friend of mine who was very successful committed suicide. And in that moment, I realized that what I knew and what I was experiencing and what I was seeing in my small inner circle, the world needed to hear it. And it would be selfish of me not to put the message in a format the world could actually have access to it. And that's when it clicked for me. That's when I got serious around the very tough journey of not only writing a book, but being committed to actually having a published book. Because it's a self-published and published are both very inherently hard. They're both hard. But getting a publisher in this economy and in the challenges that the literary world has 
definitely has some unique nuances that you really have to be committed to make that a reality. And so when I really, when I believed and when I knew that this message had to get out to the masses, I also knew I had to commit to it getting out to the masses in a way that was even bigger than me and what I could do by being a self-published author. So you self-published Exponential? No, my publisher is Penguin Random House. Ah. So, I, so I actually have a publisher, yes. So what were some of the lessons? I'm interested to learn the differences between the two from your eye. Like, What were some of the lessons you learned in that process and as an author? Yes, I share this often, is that you know, self-published and published is like six in one hand, half a dozen in the other. It really does boil down to what is, you know, what Stephen Covey says, you know, start with the end in mind and what is your ultimate goal? And everyone has a different, unique way they want to show up with a book. And so if you really just want to capture your message in a book, you can self-publish. If you want to capture the message in a book and you want to control the whole process, self-publish. If you want to capture your message in a book and you want a broader distribution channel, publisher. Really, other than that, you've got to still do the work. you still got to create the messaging. you still got to create the marketing. you still got to get it out to the marketplace. So the real unique difference in publishing and self-publishing is what is your end result? Start with the end in mind, and that will tell you which route is best for you and your message. Wow. Love that. So, Sherry, what is exponential living? Exponential living is a lifestyle of pursuing peace, choosing clarity, and living courageously. Nice. So we talked about peace a little bit earlier, right? But what does yes. peace mean to you? Uh, why is it so peace, important? Uh, peace is everything for me. Yeah. I have been broke and I've had a lot of money. I have been in love and I have been curled up on a bathroom floor heartbroken. I have had amazing experiences, traveled to tremendous places, and I've literally sit in a small town and, you know, did absolutely nothing. And in all of those realities, the only thing that mattered was peace. And the absence of peace for many years in my life, you know, physical worry and stress, mental worry and stress, limited beliefs, limited thinking, not truly being confident, not truly owning who I am. All of the things that come from the lack of peace had ruled my life for so long that when I got a taste of peace and the power and the clarity and the joy and the confidence that peace allows you to own and live in, it became everything to me. You can have my money. I can close my business. Mm -hmm. I can be married. I can be in love. I can have my daughters. I can be in an apartment. I can be in my girlfriend's spare bedroom. I can have a beautiful home. And all of these have been my reality over the last 17 years. But nothing matters to me more than peace. Because wherever I show up, that's where I'm whole. When I have peace, that's where I'm whole. And so it's everything for me. Man, we're kindred spirits. I love that. I couldn't put a definition on that, but I appreciate this even more now. So I'd love to hear 
how you actually put this into a practical application in your own life. So how do you actually cultivate peace and clarity and courage? Yes. So for me, I'm a woman of faith. I definitely don't put my faith on anyone else. I'm a woman of faith. So for me, it all starts with prayer. It starts with my real, my personal relationship with my Lord and Savior, which I call Jesus Christ. Some, they call it meditation, you know, wherever that still quiet space that allows you to just really get aligned with your mind, spirit, soul. So for me, it starts with prayer. It starts with an unbridled love affair with the Word of God, which for me is the Bible, and really reading the Word, studying the Word, trusting the Word. For some, that may be mantras, that may be confirmations, that may be spiritual books, that may be, you know, someone wisdom that they subscribe to their teachings. And then when you get the prayer and when you get the word together, it gives you this courage, this power that you are now courageous enough to make any decision. And the challenge, what robs us of our peace many times is the lack of decision or bad decisions or decisions that we make that aren't really our decisions. But when you take peace and clarity and you allow them to center you, then you have the courage to truly own who you are, make decisions to be all that you are. And from that, oh my God, nothing can stop you. I mean, you will accomplish amazing things. You will be able to not only pursue greatness, but you'll be able to get paid for that, right? You know, Mm -hmm. peace is not the absence of wealth. Peace is not the absence of accomplishments. Peace is what empowers you to truly own those things and live with them with wisdom and discernment. Right, right. Love it. So what's your advice or maybe tips to begin to create a plan towards that, to, to developing that? Well, the first thing you have to do is buy exponential living. Stop spending 100% of your time on 10% of who you are. And I say that in all humility, that it really does start with that book. That book is really the manual. Those nine principles are true. They're 17, well, now they're 15 years old. They've been tried and true over these 15 years. And they really are the map. They really are the guide. I tell you a quick story. Yesterday, a mutual friend introduced me to a woman and we went to lunch yesterday and she literally was crying at the lunch table because she was like, you know, it's like you literally came to my house, sit in my window and watched me for decades. And then you left and went and wrote this book. It spoke to everything I am and everything I need. And so It really is, if I didn't write it, if I read it, I'd still be saying the exact same answer. And then the second thing is we have to then make a decision. We have to make a decision. Peace is a choice. Peace is a choice. Joy is a choice. You know, clarity is a choice. And so the first thing we have to do is we have to first make the decision. And I say this all the time. We've got to stop saying, I don't know. Because the reality is we do know. Now, we may not be ready to accept it. We may not have the resources to move in it. 
we may not be ready to deal with it. We may not be ready to make the choices that we're going to have to make or deal with the consequences that may come from. But the reality is we always know. So we have to make a decision because in the decision, the forward movement can have the ideas can be released. The grieving can start or stop. The hurt can begin to heal. All the things, right? We can begin to appreciate the blessing. We can begin to live in full gratitude. All those things, all those things happen after the decision. So that's so the book, the decision are the first two most important things. Love it. Cheryl, what's next for you? What keeps you motivated to continue to pursue success after you've already achieved so much? Yes, because I feel like I've still just started. I feel like I literally, <laughs> to the point the other day in my prayer time, I was like, okay, I feel like I'm still doing the things at 50 that I was doing at 25. But that still drives me. I still feel like I have so much more to do. I still feel like that there's so much more that I want to accomplish. There's still so much more that I believe Oh, so many more people now that need to hear this message. So I feel like I've just started and that I still have big visions, big dreams and big goals that I still, I get up every day committed to accomplishing. You have a couple more books in you? I do. I'm, I'm going to start in March. My publisher is already, you know, aligned with wanting the next book. And I'm a, my goal is to go in writing mode in March. That's awesome. Love it. Love it. So what other books have you read so far that are just awesome and, and you find yourself recommending them to clients or to friends? Yeah, Stephen Covey's The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Excellent. Essentialism yes. by Greg McCowan. Love Excellent. It. Love <laughs> it. Yes, I was hooked. Excellent. I've listened to that book like probably four times in the last year in audio. In audio. Oh my gosh. I, me too. I've probably listened to it total five times yeah. since I bought the audio book. Yes. And I would say the third one and all three of these are kind of like personal development books. And I'd say the third one is John Maxwell's The 15 Invaluable Laws of Growth. All three of those have been very instrumental in, for me and just my personal growth, which has really helped fuel my professional development and achievement. Love it. So before we let you go, I have one last request. I'd love you to tell our trailblazers what's one action that they should take this week to help them blaze their trail. Well, the one action I would highly recommend that they take this week is to really sit down, take out their to-do list, and remove. Remove all the distractions off their to-do list. Really assess every opportunity that you have in front of you, every opportunity you're in the midst of working on, I really want you to assess, is this really an opportunity or is this a distraction? And in making that assessment, if it is a distraction, take it off. Take it off. You remember you said, what will you give up to go up, right? Yes. Take it off. Take it off. One of three things will happen. One, you're going to forget what it was. <laughs> it was on your to-do list and it was that important that you're going to take it off and you're not even going to remember it. Or two, you're going to realize someone else could do this. Who do you actually need to disseminate that to? Is that something the wife or the husband, your children, a VA, a virtual assistant, 
your, your partner, your project manager, you know, is this really something you need to do? Or the third thing is that it's not chronologically in the right place in your timeline. You may have it on your to-do list September. The reality is you're not even supposed to be focused on it until January of 2018. And so it's probably out of chronological order. And why I believe this is a very powerful exercise for your listeners and for your audience is because when you really remove the distraction, when you look at those opportunities and realize they are a distraction and remove them from your to-do list, it allows you to really focus in on the three to four most important things. All of them may be important, but what are the most important things? And really, this is kind of the combination of all three of those books because Stephen Covey's book, The Seven Habits of Highly Affected People, says put the big rocks in first. And, you know, Greg with Greg McCowan with Essentialism says, you know, only focus on what's essential, right? And John's 15 Laws of Personal Growth, he really talks about, you know, what's meaningful to you. And so when you really look at what are those three to four at the most five most important things you can then really focus on and be energized. And I think that's probably what your audiences really will get out of this is they will have a heightened energy that didn't come from more sleep, didn't come from a vacation, didn't come from, you know, taking a couple days off. It really came from removing all the weight and extra baggage you're carrying every day on this to-do list because you're not going to get to it because so much of it shouldn't even be there. So I would encourage your audience, take me up on this challenge. I'll give you my social media tag. If it didn't work for you, hit me on social media. Let me know it didn't work. And if it did work for you, there you go. I guarantee you that you will see some growth in it. But if you don't, you can hit me on any of my social media, (laughs) Sherry Riley, S-H-E-R-I-R-I-L-E-Y. That's on Instagram, Twitter, and then YouTube and Facebook is SherryRiley.com. And it's spelled out D-O-T-C-O-M. And my website is also SherryRiley.com. Awesome. Sherry, thank you so much for blessing our lives with this wisdom. Love it. I hope that... Everyone will go out and purchase a copy of Exponential Living. I'll make sure I put that up in our show notes page over at tvpod.com. Sherry, thank you so much. Thank you. And I so appreciate you and all that you're bringing into the world and really highlighting the excellence of those of us who are just out here every day. Thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you. Well, that's it for today. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Trailblazers podcast. I'll be posting links to all of today's book recommendations and links mentioned on our show notes page at tdpod.com. If today was your first time listening to the Trailblazers podcast, I just want to extend a warm Trailblazers welcome to you. We're so happy to have you here and we encourage you to go ahead and hit that subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. Go ahead and browse through some of our past episodes to keep the knowledge flowing. If you're a fan of the podcast and today's content, and you're maybe already subscribed to the podcast, please continue to share and invite your friends, your family, your colleagues to listen to an episode that you think might impact them most. We believe that someone listening to these inspiring stories will be moved 
to make significant changes that will have generational impact for many others, both now and well into the future. Don't miss next week's episode. New episodes are released each and every Monday by about 5 a.m. Eastern. Trailblazers, jump off this podcast today. Go find a way to rise above, go way beyond, and keep blazing your trail. Cheers. Cheers.